Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Right. You all right, everybody? Um, um, I'm just going to, you know, basically share my heart with you tonight. Um, Over the last 13 years, um, Anthony and I have tried to be very transparent with you as people. And uh, we have shared our journey with you. We've not covered it up. We've not um, tried to be something that we, we are not. And a lot of what um, we have come to understand has come uh, because of the, the pain and struggle of wanting to understand uh, what I talked about last week, a more beautiful gospel. Because there were questions uh, that Anthony and I have asked, and um, questions mainly because as grow- growing up, we weren't allowed to ask them. And um, we gave ourselves permission to ask those questions. And the reason why I'm starting at this place tonight is because I want to say to to you young people, I know you're asking questions and uh, we are asking them too. I'm just wanting you to know it's okay. You're asking questions like, is there a God? Who is he? What does it mean to me that there's a God? Why do we go to church? What's that all about? What are we doing? Uh, is it for me? Am I getting too old for it? Am I growing out of it? Is it something that my parents have sort of brought me into, but now it's my opportunity to do something else? We know that they're all the questions that you're asking, um, and that's okay. You have to know that that's okay. This is a place where we are not just going to swallow anything until we've actually questioned and, think, and thought, is, is that uh, a picture of the God of Jesus that we uh, claim to, to, to follow? Um, and so I'm just going to do a little advert for Wednesday night. I know some of you are, are busy. The, the, this light seems wrong at the minute. Sorry, I might just stood in the wrong place, but the light just seems a bit bright in my eyes. Sorry. Um, just going to give a little plug for Wednesday night. The lab on a Wednesday has become where we ask all those questions and we are talking about these things and there is no holds barred. Um, We really do get down to it and we're coming up with some wonderful freeing understanding. We are and so I want to just make sure that you guys don't think that, oh, hang on a minute, we're just going to hear the same old stuff. None of our questions are going to be answered. The truth is they are. Um, they've they've been answered for me and I know the journey that I'm on now. It might be the latter part of my life. I'm 58 now and so I'm getting old. And, uh, you know, this might be, you know, the the latter part of my life. But I'll tell you what, when we sing the song, your latter will be greater, I know for a fact that that is true. And I'm not just saying it because it sounds a, a clever thing to say. It is actually true. Now, after saying that, it's scary, It's absolutely terrifyingly scary because everything that I understood for 40 odd years, 
I've, in all honesty, had to look at every single thing and say whether actually I was going to stick with that or whether there was something better. And that doesn't leave you. Remember, you, you learn and you, uh, you, you tend to embrace things far better as children and it becomes concreted into your system and you take it with you into adulthood and that's what gives you that security. Well, try changing your mind at 47. Seriously, try changing your mind about some of the, the really deep, indoctrinated things at 47 years old. But I'll tell you what, when the Bible talks about the truth setting you free, it does. Um, somebody once said, but it'll make you miserable first. <laughs> it sometimes does. But I'll tell you what, I'm happier with what I've come to understand than I ever was before. Um, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And we know it like the back of our hands, don't we? We know that scripture. Um, we know that perfect love casts out all fear, but fear is something that dominates us like you wouldn't believe. Doesn't it? Think about it. Fear all the time. And um, I uh, read something, and I'm going to, uh, you can put it up, but I'll read it from here, that is what I want to base, what I want to say on tonight. Because um, when we were looking at Clifton and we were looking at the Dolby Forest and we we're looking at the things that we're doing, the one thing that we can say that it is, it is religion free. It's religion free. Now, some of you will say, but we're a church. It, surely it's all about religion. The answer is no, it is not. Categorically, it is not about religion. And, I'm, and if you're thinking, well, heck, I'm, I'm stumped now. I'll, I'll help you understand, right? But the one thing that The Rock is not going to be is a seller of religion. We are not selling religion. And you might say, well, you know, I don't get it yet, but I'm not going to tell you now. We're going to get to it. Is that all right? But we are not selling religion. And that might mean that it's a problem for us in some ways. And you'll see why when you read this. Uh, because... Fear is what drives religion. Fear is what drives religion. Let me read this. The world is increasingly designed to depress us. Happiness isn't very good for the economy. If we were happy with what we had, why would we need more? How do you sell an anti-aging moisturiser? You make someone worry about ageing. How do you get people to vote for a political party? You make them worry about immigration. How do you get them to buy insurance? By making them worry about everything. How do you get them to have plastic surgery? By highlighting their physical flaws. How do you get them to watch a TV show? By making them worry about missing out. How do you get them to buy a new smartphone? By making them feel like they've been left behind. To be calm becomes a kind of revolutionary act to be happy with your own non-upgraded existence, to be comfortable with our messy human selves would not be good for business. Whoa. I hope you like that because it's what a spurred, is that the right word, spurred? Spurred me on anyway to bring what I'm bringing you uh, tonight. And I need a hanky, just a minute. So you see, I'd like to potentially put another question on there. How do you get people to join your church? 
How do you get people to attend your meetings? You do the same. You tell them that somehow you're going to miss out or, or even worse, you're going to burn. Fear. Put fear into everybody and you can really make big business. So, is the rock in the business of selling fear? The answer is no. And some of you look at me and say, oh, well, I don't know about that. Do you trust us? You know, do you trust whether there is the small print, uh, like there is in insurance policies, that there's at the bottom, that, you know, you, you need your big magnifying glass uh, to, to, to read it. I am just telling you, I know that we've moved away from that because I have moved away from that. And I know what's inside of me. I know that the fear that used to dominate my life, and I know now that that has gone. Now, the thing is, you can only ever pass on to somebody else what you're doing and what you have yourself. So this is the key that I'm wanting to bring you. We are not in the fear business um, because we're no longer in the religion business. But you see, the message of love, which is the opposite of fear, uh, isn't actually good for business. <laughs> Did you know that? Without fear, you're not going to make people do much at all. So we've got a bit of a problem, haven't we? Oh, don't you wish you could figure those sort of things out? I mean, I don't really do. I, you know, how do we, we work this one out? Because fear is business uh, fuel. So once you go in the direction of, well, no rewards for this and no punishment for that, you, we're not going to control what is right or wrong in your life. We're going to leave you to actually go your journey. But the truth is we're never going to budge in the sense that we are here. We are consistent in our relationship with you as people. We ain't budging. We're going to go every step of the way with you. But the question is always asked, but if there's no reward and there's no punishment, what's the point? And um, it makes me sad that, because I was away when we were in India, somebody asked that question, what's the point? And it really did, and, and you're just going to have to take my word for it, it really did get revealed that if there was no, let's just put it this way, heaven because you've basically done all this and hell avoided because you haven't done all that, it was almost like, well, I don't want to be in this then. I'm just going to go and have some fun and whatever. And you think, well, that really does um, reveal the heart of people, that we're all very much reward-orientated or of avoidance of punishment-orientated. So somewhere in our beings, there isn't just a desire to love for the sake of loving. Think about it. So if I'm just going to love because I'm going to love and there's nothing in it for me, that really puts us on, it on the line. That's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? And when Danny was saying, you know, the kids, are we, are we hoping to get them bums on seats? And we said, well, we might not. Well, are we still going to do it then? We say yes. 
Because the whole thing that we are wanting to work towards is the restoration of all things. What's the restoration of all things? But to actually restore to people the value within themselves that they might see God the, the way he sees them and in that understanding, which means instead of be having to, to strive and, and, and do things in order to get that sense of value, they'll already know it. So all they'll want to do is give it and pass it on and pay it forward instead of all those things that we do. I mean, there's one thing that I love about the, uh, the, the whole understanding of Buddhism, right? Their main theory is the fact that attachment to things is what causes so much unhappiness. And so what we do in life, we get just so attached to stuff and it just makes us so miserable. And what we find that even in the context of religion, we get so attached to it that in the end, it makes us miserable. And in fact, what we're really being shown by God, that if we're willing to actually just love without it being attached to anything, that's where our happiness and our joy will come from. Do you, do you get it? Okay, so I just want to say that we are going to talk about some of this stuff on a Wednesday night. If you want to uh, come and get involved, because I promise you, it's, it's very interesting. But I absolutely hate religion. I hate it with a passion. And uh, it was funny that uh, as I was thinking about this today, I loved uh, the, the, the film, The Calendar Girls, which I know it's a long time ago now, but some of you might remember it. And I loved it when the woman stood up and she shouted in the WI meeting. She said, I hate plum jam. Oh, it was one of the best lines in the movie because basically she was saying, look, I have made plum jam just because my mother wanted me to make plum jam. But the reason why I've stuck it out in the WI was to make a difference. And all I want is a blooming settee for my hospital in Brearley. Is it Brearley? And she was basically making the point that she was willing to do certain things to get this settee. But I want to be as passionate about I hate religion. Because what religion does to all of us is make us miserable. It really does. So, will you put up the next um, slide? Some of you don't even have a clue what religion is. You think religion is just going to church or whatever, or doing sort of uh, religious rituals, singing songs or whatever. Look at this. I found this absolutely amazing. Uh, it comes from the Latin word taboo, restraint. A combination of two words, re, and I don't know whether you pronounce it ligare, because it's or ligar or ligare or whatever. Re is the prefix meaning return. Ligare means to bind. Therefore, religion literally means, look at this, return to bondage. Now get that in your heads. Return to bondage. Can you see why we don't want any of it? Can you see? Religion wants you to believe you are so wretched, so wicked, so sinful, so bad, that unless you have religion and follow the good Christian rules, you'll just never make it. You see, religion creates the problem so it can fix the problem. And so you're stuck forever. 
Because guess what? Although it says it's going to fix the problem, it never actually does because she never quite make it. Do you get that? I want you to understand that God is at work in you just as you are with no strings attached. You don't have to do anything to earn it, nothing to get it. It's yours because it's a gift and you already have it. Now, some of you struggle with that because you think, nah, I can't, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. come on. Sorry. It sounds like a return to bondage. You were made free to be free, and we'll get there in a, a little while, but let me just tell, tell you this. A few uh, months ago, I spoke about, about knowing who you are. It's on our video at the beginning about when you know who you are, you know what to do. And remember, we brought little Jacob and saying, what, what's he done to deserve anything other than just to be Jacob? And I've been trying to get it into your heads that there's not one thing you need to do to, to be loved and to be known by God. You, it just is a fact. It, it's there. We want to remind you that it's about trust in what he is not in the sense of doubt of what you are. Now, it's really interesting that um, people have said to me over the years, yes, but you know, Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship. Now, come on, put your hands up who's heard that. Twee, little, horrible statement. And I mean it, it's twee. It really is twee. Because when we're saying, oh, you know, it's not a religion, when you look at mainstream Christianity, oh, yes, it is, because it's a return to bondage, because there's so much that we have to get right, so much that has to be in place, there's things we can do, the things we can't do, in order for that situation to be. But I want to, uh, oh, I didn't read something at the beginning, but I won't read it now, but anyway. Um, the point is over. A period of time, there's been many layers being put on the truth. And you get to a p the point where you realise that what you're looking at now is what, not what it was originally meant to be. And I think that one of those layers is this thing about a personal relationship with God. Because when we talk about it not being a religion, we say, yes, but it's a relationship. But you see... Personal relationship, number one, isn't in the Bible. It's not a, a concept that's in the Bible. It's one of those statements as well, if you think about it, that can't be quantified. Think about it. If I was to say to you, have you got a personal relationship with God? And you say, well, yeah. I'll say, well, what, what does that look like? You know, do you really? Can you prove it? Or you could go through a whole bunch of uh, words uh, or questions to actually say, well, yeah, but you but you're doing this, is that still allows you to have a relationship with God? Or somebody will say, well, yeah, but you're doing that. Does that still qualify as relationship with God? So after a little while, you go through all these things and you realize that it's just unquantifiable and some people can disagree with one person's view and another person's view, which it makes quite a lot of sense, doesn't it? I once Googled 
something. And it was, how do, how do you know that you have a relationship with God? And it was absolutely amazing. Because the, the, the first bit was wonderful. It said, well, you know, it talked about inviting Jesus into your heart and, you know, letting him come into your heart and having this relationship with him. And then what happened, it went on 10 more A4 pages on Google telling you how not to be and how to get it right and how people maybe will question you because it might be that the real work of the Holy Spirit hasn't yet happened even though you said the sinner's prayer and all this. So you get 10 pages of telling you what should have been simply, well, if it's a gift and you've received it, then it's yours. And you've, you either know you've got it or you haven't. End. You know what I mean? It should be something like that. But anyway, I'll give you another example because this business of uh, personal relationship is quite interesting. But when I was in India, I uh, had a top on and it wasn't low back, but it was slightly, slightly cut out back. And uh, the top of my tattoo could be seen. <gasps> because suddenly this person came to me and said, um, you have a tattoo? And I said, yes. And of course, the question was, do you know what the question was? Come on, come on. Do you know what the question was? Did you have it before you became a Christian or got saved or that personal relationship with Jesus? Or was it after? To which, of course, I said, it was after. See, he'd got some on his arm that he had before. And of course, it was okay that he had them before. But now he knew that I'd had them after. It threw him into this <gasps> horror. Because how could we be then preaching about the love of God and this wonderful good news? Because how could I have a tattoo? Do you see what I mean? It's silly. It gets ridiculous. So... I'm going to just kill this personal relationship with God, Lark. And I know you'll like this because you've always liked that personal relationship, haven't you, Jenny? See, we all like to think that we have this very special one-to-one -one thing with God. And we have, but it's bigger than what we think. So, um, But this is what I just want to, to tell you about. It's this. So God made Adam. Jenny says, chapter 2. And uh, all there was, was God and Adam. Awesome. Then he says, it's not okay for you to be alone. Hang on. He wasn't. He was with God. He had God all to himself. Ooh. I think that you could call that a very personal relationship with God. But God seemed to imply it wasn't enough. Now get that into your head. If we take this story, whether it's symbolic or whatever, he's saying it's not enough. So really, when we are pushing, do you know what? Personal relationship, personal relationship. What God's actually saying, do you know what? Yes, you need me, but you need each other. Oh, that makes a big difference. So hang on a minute. I might have said the sinner's prayer and invited Jesus into my heart, but I don't want anything to do with you lot. 
oh, that means then that I might have God, but if I haven't got you, I am still alone. Do we ever think like that? See, this is the partnership that God wants. It's amazing. He's saying, yeah, you've got me. That's great. We've got this wonderful thing going. He says, but you need somebody like you. And I believe that when we talk about what, what's the point when it comes to this wonderful good news message, what the point is, is that in this place, when we are interacting with one another, we actually allow God to exist because as we're rubbing against each other we're learning we're learning how to love we're learning how to be patient we're learning how to to consider one another we're learning how to stop being selfish that's where we learn it we learn it here so many christians take on the attitude that all we need is this personal relationship but we're still alone with god but minus each other, we remain alone. And I would go as far to say that um, my relationship with you guys is really more important because I'm, I'm actually expressing my relationship with God when it's expressed here. There's, um, is there another thing to go up now? Uh, yeah, I love this. Look at this. Welcome to the faith. Now, here's our complimentary box outside of which you should never think again. I absolutely adore this. Again, I'm bringing this because I'm trying to just encourage you who we are as a house. You will not be given a box. You are not going to be given a box. And that might be bad for business. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It might be bad for business, but it's good for you. It's good for you all in order to go your journey. There was a, um, a, another thing that I found on the internet that was really good. It says this, religion made half of us afraid to die and the other half afraid to live. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? Now, I can probably say that I've lived in both halves. I was afraid to die. <laughs> But then I was also afraid to live. So I've had worse to both sides of it. And this is what we're trying to, to uh, understand tonight. So here's the issue. Jesus did not come to create a new religion. In fact, he came to close the religion shop down. He came to deliver us from the fear that we all had become subjected to because of religion. Remember what I said, religion creates the problem in order that it can fix it, which means it never goes out of business. Am I make, is this making sense? Oh, it makes me mad. I hate it. Plum jam. So how did he do this? How did Jesus close the religion shop? Now, what I find wonderful about the words of Jesus and we all probably spend way too much time, and, I, and this is not a problem, so please don't shoot me down. We've, we listen to what Paul has to say, and Paul wrote some fantastic letters, and it's absolutely brilliant. But if you then go to what Jesus said, you find that even the things that Paul's talking about, Jesus never mentions. And I preached a while back about the fact that 
Do you know Jesus doesn't mention the word grace once? Never mentions the word grace. And you think, what? Jesus never mentions the word grace. No, he doesn't. Paul talks about it all the time. Does that mean that, that Paul's wrong? No. But what, we, what we're saying is that there are some things which we need to go to Jesus to listen to what he has to say, not just take the, uh, the, the, the Paul stuff. So here's the thing. Jesus never, ever said, I have come to save you from your sins so you can go to heaven. Now, what is the basic message of religion? Jesus dies to save you from your sins so you can go to heaven. So it's something happening here. It's a transaction that's made between the two of you that ultimately you get something here. But you see, the ground in the middle is where it's all very, very problematic. Because, okay, we made this transaction here, but is it going to stay the course of time for when I'm here? And that's what religion does, you see, because it keeps you, remember what we said, returned to bondage. Because we can never let it go because we're always in need of it just in case, right? So what, did, what Jesus did say, he says, I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. And I know you've heard these verses before, but I hope they're coming to you in a different context. He's basically saying, how come you bound yourself in this bondage? How have you ended up in this mess after all this time that you're still stuck in this religious circle that's got you bound? Now, Jesus introduced us to a, a very different concept. He, he introduces to a father rather than a, a God. And what religions tend to do is always have your eyes on something that's very orthocratic, very wanting to dominate and control. Whereas what Jesus wanted to do was turn our eyes from that authority-based thing more to a loving father-based uh, thing. And um, he showed us a very different picture of, of God. In fact, he showed us he was very unlike a God. In all his ways, in his character, in his nature, he, he, he showed. And how did he show it? Because the, the scripture says that he himself was the exact representation of the Father. So what he was showing in his flesh was the opposite of everything that religion had led the people to believe right up to that time. Do you, do you see that? So he came to set the uh, record straight. So this is just something I want to put in here. You see, at that time when Jesus came, the people were not ungodly. They were actually very God-full. They were incredibly religious in the sense that there was thousands of gods. And um, all those gods wanted their pound of flesh in order to be kept happy. So in order that, that um, uh, Jesus might do something incredible here, he had to show himself not to be like all of those other things. Also, ultimately, it's just another one. Add it to the list. They all want the same thing. Uh, you know, and we stuck. Um, so if we don't have a change in, in what all this means, then we, we're still stuck in the same circle. 
That's why Jesus was very, very unhappy with the Pharisees because he said, how can you be doing this? Those of you who have been entrusted with this incredible uh, story to pass on and give to people, he says, you're actually putting onto them such burdens that they can't bear. And, and it's a lovely picture when you watch the film of Luther, when Luther was so upset that these people who were so poverty-stricken, they were being asked by the, the Catholic Church to pay money to buy themselves into, into heaven, even though they couldn't even put a morsel of bread in their mouth. Now, that's what religion does. Isn't it vile? See why I'm mad? It's vile. And you see, that's what was happening sort of again. And Jesus says, we're not having any of that. And so you are instilling fear into the people to keep them bound so they'll keep coming back to you to be saved from it. Jesus was basically saying, you've all been sold a lie and none of this is necessary. All the do's and don'ts, the laws, all these basically have been created to keep you bound and it's all a big con and the religion business needed closing down now I think that this is why they wanted rid of him because nobody wants their business big business closing down do they so this is why and if you do a bit of research the uh, children um, the uh, the early Christians I'm going to say the children of Israel um, why the early Christians, those who the penny dropped that this is what Jesus had come to do, that's why many of them were treated with disdain because their behavior and what they were doing actually was sending out a signal to everybody around that they were actually God-less, not godly. Because everything that we're doing was so full of freedom, it was so amazing that everybody thought, oh, they've really gone off the rails. But in fact, what they'd done was bought into this incredible, uh, awesome idea that the religion shop had been closed once and for all uh, in this new reality that, um, that Jesus had come to give. So how do I want to finish uh, this up tonight. I want to just read you something. I haven't got it on the screen. You can take that off now if you like. Um, because it just might help you when we, when we focus on how we want things to be, right? And as a house, I hope that uh, this will, you know, you'll get this. And I'll just read it. This is how it should be. People walked away from religion feeling there was no chance of ever being enough for God. People walked away from Jesus feeling they were okay just the way they were. People walked away from religion under the weight of being sinners, filthy, undeserving, unworthy, and perpetually falling short in God's eyes. But people walked away from Jesus feeling accepted, loved, and entertaining the possibility that maybe they weren't so bad after all. People walked away from religion with more rituals to observe, more rules to follow, more laws to keep, and more teachings to understand in order to get it right with God. People walked away from Jesus having done nothing more than just be themselves, and yet somehow felt complete and whole, and felt something like joy and happiness welling up inside them. People walked away from religion 
carrying the burden of all the things they must do to carry out the plans, expectations and agenda of the religious establishment. People walked away from Jesus feeling they could simply live a life of love as he did and that there was nothing more important than this. People walked away from religion with the view um, that the world was divided up. Life was split between sacred and secular and people into us and them. But people walked away from Jesus with new eyes, seeing God in everything and everyone, including themselves. Don't you think that's a different picture? Different picture. I that's awesome. So basically, Christianity in its pure form should stand alone. It should be the only religion that has no religion, yet it has become just what happened in Luther's day, and we spoke about Luther a few minutes ago. It becomes full of ifs, it becomes full of buts, it becomes full of conditions that we all feel that we cannot live up to. But Jesus said it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Why didn't he say, I've set you free, I've set you free? Because you can be free, but still not living in freedom. So you can come out of prison after being incarcerated for 30 years, and yet you're still imprisoned. You see, you see what I mean? You're out, of, you're out but you're in. <laughs> you're still in because it's still part, part of you. But it was for freedom. And you cannot be free while ever religion is having a part of your life and understanding. Um, I follow somebody on uh, Facebook and he wrote this and I thought it was absolutely wonderful and I'll just leave you with this. When I let go of my mythical monster god of religion, I lost my mythical monster self and my mythical monster devil. But then this is the lovely thing. Fear left our home. Shame left our home. Religious strivings and spiritual competition left our home. The peace of resting in his goodness and the wonder of his perfect love rushed in to fill the broken places religion had once claimed. Personal responsibility shook off chains of condemnation and was crowned with the immense and glorious privilege of discovering and revealing what Jesus had made possible for us today. There is a religion-free Jesus. He reveals an ungodlike God. And I'm saying today that we are keeping this house free of all the layers of religion that always seek to come back. It comes back because we're just like sheep who tend to herd and tell us what to do, tell us what to do, tell us what to do. If you tell us what to do, we'll be all right. When actually religion, the shop, has been absolutely closed. And we are not going to spend time opening it up again. But that means that the business that we're in, the love business, isn't always as successful as the fear business. But there is no fear in love. So if I have to choose a way that we're going to go, it's going to be the no fear Right? No fear. Yeah, are you with me? No fear. So I wanted to say tonight, 
that instead of inviting people to, you know, the usual, would you like to make a, a commitment or have a personal relationship with, with God, I'd like to say, who, who's up for losing some of their religion? Who wants to lose some of that religion? Because the shop is literally being closed for good. So I know it's six minutes past eight, I'm sorry. Um, and we're going to finish with a song. We're going to sing There Is No Fear In Love. We'll sing it to you. You can just listen to the words. But please just keep that in mind. Wherever in your life there is fear that is dominating you, it's because there is something of a religious nature. Be willing to call it. You know, we go to the doctors and we want them to diagnose us. But if there's fear dominating your life in any, any way, it means that religion is there. It's alive and well. And we want to kill it because Jesus came to get rid of it once and for all. Can you see why it should be different? I hope you get it, why it should be different. If it's not, then we're no better off than any other religion in the world. But what it actually allows us to do is have no labels and actually embrace everyone and everything in love and actually build a kingdom, not because of reward or avoiding punishment, but just purely because we love. Because we love. Yeah? Because we love. So we'll sing this and then... Um... Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.